tonight we're continuing our learning and our discussion on the impact of faithful people. When I say the word faithful or faithfulness, what comes to your mind? Obviously, that word means reliable, dependable, trustworthy in every legitimate area of life. And so Sunday evening, uh, I shared with you four simple thoughts about faithfulness. We're talking about the impact of faithful people. I asked this question, can God count on you? Can you be depended upon? Can God count on you? He said of Moses in Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, he says that Moses is a faithful man. He's faithful in all my house. So I gave you four statements. First of all, faithfulness in our culture is in high demand, even though it seems like it's out of vogue. Statement number two, faithfulness is prioritized by God more than talent, position, or human success. Statement number three, Faithfulness in a little thing is really a big thing. And then statement number four. Faithfulness will be the gauge by which we are evaluated at the judgment seat of Christ. So what's the takeaway? What's the practical application for all of us? All of us who know the Lord. All of us who are viewing tonight. Well, let me give you three takeaways. Takeaway number one. This idea, this concept of faithfulness and the need for faithfulness applies to the commitment we have to the Lord and His work. It applies to the commitment we have to the Lord and His work. There in Matthew 25, verse 21, the words of Jesus that He will say to those of us at judgment, He will say, and I hope He'll say, good and faithful servant. That's the goal. That's the desire, the dream of every conscientious Christian. That when we stand before the Lord one day, He will say, you were a good, faithful, reliable, dependable, trustworthy. I could count on you. You were faithful to follow and to do what I put in your hands. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 It gives us this admonition to be steadfast. That means solid, unmovable, not easily blown around, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always overflowing, always committed to the work of the Lord. Colossians 1 verse 2, Paul uses this term, faithful brethren. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul said that the Lord, think about this, the Lord counted me faithful. My friend, Paul wasn't being arrogant there. He was simply giving a statement of fact. That the Lord Jesus, when He looked at Paul's life, He looked at Paul's record, He looked at Paul's character, He said, that is a faithful man that I can count on. I know I can count on Paul. Wow! Wouldn't it be great for the Lord Jesus to say about us, and when it comes to their relationship with me, I can count on that person. So what does this kind of commitment to the Lord look like in our generation? Well, I think it means that it means being faithful to live for Christ every day. 
I mean, every day. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to be a genuine Christian wherever I am all the time. Not fake. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to be a chameleon. I'm not going to fit in with one crowd, blend in, and then when I get to another crowd, blend in with them. No, I'm going to be consistent through the power of the Lord. I'm going to be a faithful person to live for the Lord every single day. Whether I'm an adult, a student, a teen, a single adult, whatever the case, whatever the season of life I'm in, it means I'm going to be faithful to live for Jesus every day. But then as we go further about this commitment to the Lord, it means that I'm going to be faithful to my local church. I know, I know these are different days. And our concept of church has been totally undone. I understand that, or at least the gathering of the church. But let's, let's not dismiss this idea of faithfulness. Hebrews 10.25 in that context of mutual encouragement for one another, it does list that gathering together in church, gathering together as the bride, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, that that is a way that we encourage one another, not forsaking Hebrews 10.25, the assembling, the gathering of ourselves together. As the manner of some is, apparently some in the church had waned in their, their commitment to gathering. And he said, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Years ago, I read an article by a pastor, Jim Ellis, and he said this, and the article was entitled, When Ball Becomes Bailed. The emphasis of his article was to moms and dads like like me, my wife, those that have children that are athletic, that play ball. And that's many in our culture and many in our church family. And he, he warned, he admonished, warned against forsaking church for the sake of sports and athletics. And he gave these words, and they were very helpful to me, very profound. And I pray that they'll be a help to you. He admonishes, and I quote, he said, decide beforehand that there will be no contest between church's essential activities designed for your family's spiritual growth. There'll be no contest between that and what the team plans for your lives. In other words, he's saying, you must realize what should have top priority. It's not what the team plans. It's what the Lord and His Word for the design of your family spiritual growth. He went on to say it must be a prior decision, not one made on a case-by-case basis when sports conflicts with Sunday worship or youth camp or youth conference or a special spiritual activity. He said the decision should already have been made. End of quote. I'm afraid it doesn't necessarily have to be sports that is the issue. It can be other things. 
of the things that our enemy in our culture so often would love to use to trip us up as it comes to our commitment to the local church. And man, it can be this or it could be a hundred other different things. You understand the point that the priority is faithfulness to gather with God's people in God's local church. And then I believe as it relates to our commitment to the Lord, it means not just being faithful to live for Christ daily, not just being faithful to my local church, but also being faithful to a certain area of ministry and service as we understand that God has given all of us as mature Christians and even growing Christians, He's given all of us a spiritual gift to utilize and exercise for the glory of the Lord, for the good of God's local church. So it applies to us and our commitment that we have to the Lord and His work. But then this idea of faithfulness also applies, listen carefully, to the fidelity we have to fulfill pledges and promises that are of utmost importance in our lives. I want you to consider those promises that we've made, those pledges. What does this fidelity look like? What kind of promises have we made in our lives as adults? Well, first of all, I think about the marital promise with marital fidelity. On June the 18th, 1994, the Lord privileged me to stand at a marriage altar and at 2 o'clock that afternoon or shortly thereafter at 2110 Trawick Road, Raleigh, North Carolina. I stood at an altar in front of hundreds of people and more importantly in front of God. And I made a promise to my wife that I would be faithful and true to her her alone, forsaking all others, taking unto myself you and you alone. Every single married person has made that promise. I'm shocked today to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that the average length of marriage in America is only 8.2 years. And even for second marriages, it's even worse than that and less than that. That breaks my heart. And I, I realize, please, please know I'm not standing up here tonight as a Pharisee or judgmental hypocrite or anything like that. I realize that, my dear friend, all of us are susceptible to make mistakes and to fail. I, I, I don't want to do that. Neither do I want to use someone's past experience as a bat to hit them over the head. I promise you God knows my heart. I say to you who are married, dear friend, be faithful. Remember, you didn't just sign a document. It wasn't just like a business transaction. No! You entered into the covenant relationship of marriage before God. Remember that. Be faithful to that marriage covenant. It not only looks like marital fidelity, it looks like and takes on this identity, friend, of familial fidelity. That means a faithfulness to your family. 
a commitment to your family. I get convicted when I think about that because I think about so many of us men that have a tendency to workaholism. We work and work and work and work, or maybe it's easy to get a hobby out of place or out of priority, and we're allowing the hobby to even take the place of of ample time with our families. There's marital fidelity, familial fidelity, and then there's vocational fidelity. What is that? That means faithfulness to my job. Man, we live in a culture where people change jobs like they change vehicles. <laughs> they even change jobs more than they change vehicles because uh, the average tenure of employment in America is only 4.6 years. And for those who are 25 uh, to 34 in age group, the average tenure is only 3.2 years. We don't keep jobs long. It's tough. It's hard. Conflicts arise. I know. I understand. There's misunderstanding. There's unmet expectations. Be faithful. Be somebody you can be counted on. So this applies to the commitment we have to the Lord and His work. It applies to the fidelity we have to fulfill pledges and promises that are of utmost importance to us in our lives. But then, finally, this applies to the trustworthiness of our words and our reputation as a person of integrity. Hear the word of the Lord in Matthew 5, verse 37. He says, but let your communication, let your speech, let your words be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. What Jesus means by this statement is, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. It should be, friend, that our word is as good as our bond. That our word is as good as a handshake. We've made a promise and we're going to stick to it. Our words ought to be so reliable, as the old preacher said, I could tell you a rooster dips enough and you can look under his wing for the can. Our words ought to be that trustworthy and reliable. It's interesting, in Proverbs 6, 16 and 17, the Bible says that the Lord hates a lying tongue. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal with truth are His delight. Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one with the other. Colossians 3 verse 9 says, Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. God prioritizes truth. and He wants me to tell it and share it and live by it. He wants me to prioritize it. And that what I am saying is absolutely fact and factual. And if I make a commitment and make a promise, friend, I'm going to fulfill it. And you can trust my words. I am faithful and trustworthy in every sense of the word. Ladies and gentlemen, as God's people and as 
part of our church. Right now, as we close in prayer, would you take a moment? Would you bow your head and bow your heart as we seek the Lord's face and just say, Lord Jesus, in a day and time when faithfulness seems to be on the struggle bus in a lot of circles, Jesus, please help me to make this recommitment and to prioritize faithfulness to you, faithfulness to the commitments and the promises that I've made in my life, and faithfulness to truth and truthfulness. Our heads are bowed as we seek the Lord now. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, you speak and have spoken outwardly or inwardly while I've been speaking outwardly. I thank you for that. Thank You that Your Word is as relevant today as it's always been. And I pray that You'll help us grow and make these decisions to make these strides spiritually as You work in us and mold us ever more faithfully into the image of Jesus as we say yes to You. So Holy Spirit, turn that spotlight on. And wherever you want to make changes, we want to give you that authority. You have that authority. We surrender to your Lordship tonight. Thank you for our precious people. Bless us as we look forward to gathering on Sunday as you speak to us once again. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.